It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Law with Michael Best in New York and Greg Storr in Washington, D.C. The House and Senate Intelligence Committee investigations into possible Russian tampering in the 2016 presidential election and also into possible contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian agents has taken center stage. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who lost his job after the shortest tenure in American history as National Security Advisor because he failed to fully describe his conversations with the Russian ambassador last year, could be a witness in congressional probes. And now he has asked for immunity before he testifies before Congress, and President Trump has tweeted that he agrees with Flynn's request. Here to talk with us about uh, the immunity request by Michael Flynn or Stephen Vladek, professor at the University of Texas School of Law, and Andrew Wright, a professor at Savannah Law School. Andrew, the House and Senate Intelligence Committee, as important as they are, are not the prosecutors in this case. They're not the people who will decide whether or not there are going to be criminal charges against Mr. Flynn uh, based on his testimony or for any other reason. How does immunity work in a situation like this? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. So uh, the House and Senate committees under a statute uh, that was passed in 1970 can choose to uh, grant immunity uh, through, by means of a court order through, if it's in front of a committee like these uh, are, it would be a two-thirds vote of the full committee, and then they can seek a court order that's basically a ministerial job for the court to grant that order to give what they call use immunity or castigar immunity that would allow uh, him to testify even over uh, the assertion of the Fifth Amendment uh, privilege against self-incrimination. That statutory scheme uh, also recognized, however, that there's a connection to the Justice Department. So Congress has to give the Attorney General 10 days notice, which both allows the Attorney General to um, sequester the information they've already gathered as to that witness to make sure that they have a, a file that doesn't show that they actually use information derived from the congressional testimony and gives the AG, AG and department an opportunity to object if they think that uh, the congressional effort might uh, complicate the prosecution or frustrate it. Steve, it sounds as though the, the congressional investigators are, aren't inclined to, to grant the immunity uh, right now, but what goes into that calculation? Uh, for uh, lawmakers and their investigators. Why would they give somebody like Michael Flynn immunity? Well, I guess, I mean, the, the real question is whether they think that there are material pieces of evidence and information that someone like Michael Flynn has that he can provide to the committee that he'd be disinclined to provide but for the immunity. So, you know, this is part of why oftentimes when these kinds of issues come up, the first time you hear about it is not in a tweet from the witness's lawyer. Rather, it's in, you know, after the committee has done some legwork, after there's been some kind of proffer session, 
where the committee has a sense of exactly what kind of information they're going to get in exchange for the immunity. That's the calculus. And I think, you know, it's interesting here that there's no suggestion that that's happened and that what's really going on is a public relations campaign where Flynn's lawyer is saying, you know, he should get immunity and no one on the Hill seems to be really, you know, publicly talking about it. Yeah, it does seem a little odd, Andrew, that you know, the, a lawyer would go public with a request like this. When you when you talk about doing something like a proffer, as Steve mentioned, what what kind of discussions would usually happen between, say, a congressional committee and somebody's lawyer before a decision got made? Well, I think the committee would want to satisfy itself that he has something that's juicy enough or important enough to the committee's work that they would be worth sacrificing the potential exposure he'd have for any crimes that were committed. So they'd really want to know something about what do you have a story to tell. And, you know, his attorney's statement, uh, there's been a lot made of the fact that he said General Flynn certainly has a story to tell. And I think, in, you know, that's that was sort of pregnant with that idea that there might be something juicy there. However, I think, you know, the fact that he went public uh, with this is not the kind of the way you woo a committee into actually granting uh, an immunity um, order. So I think, you know, there's some pretty good speculation here that they might not have that much to offer. They're not offering that much to the committee and that this is kind of a public relations campaign. Steve, as we've been discussing, this is immunity just for what he might say to the committee, not immunity from anything having to do with the the issue of contacts with Russia. But as a practical matter, if somebody like Mike Flynn were to get immunity, how difficult would it make, would that make it to prosecute him for any crime related to this investigation? Yeah, I mean, it would make it pretty hard, you know, not formally, because, you know, depending on how the immunity is provided by the relevant congressional committees, there are ways to do it that wouldn't necessarily apply to a criminal investigation. But, you know, folks may remember that, you know, the Oliver North indictment after Iran-Contra blew up largely because there were questions about the scope of the immunity he had, prov- he had been provided before testifying before Congress. There were concerns about whether there were Fifth Amendment implications for not, you know, giving him similar treatment in a criminal prosecution. So, you know, I think part of the complexity here is not just the politics on Capitol Hill, but also, as Andy was talking about, I mean, the dynamic you're going to necessarily have between the congressional investigators and the Justice Department, um, you know, at least some of whom might very well want a pretty substantial bite at this apple if it turns out that, you know, Michael Flynn can really be tied to some of the more serious criminal allegations that are being bandied about. Andrew, one of the things that... uh has been different about this one, it seems, is that the president of the United States has tweeted that he supports Mr. Flynn's request for immunity because this is, to paraphrase, a witch hunt, uh, this investigation in his view. How unusual is it for a president to do something like that? Well, first of all, it's totally unprecedented. And the second point is it's problematic because, A, President Trump shouldn't know what the FBI does or does not have in terms of information within its investigation on Mr. Flynn. So he wouldn't be in a position to know whether it's actually a witch or not absent some sort of improper contact with the Justice Department. So that's one problem. The second problem with that tweet is the fact that it creates the perception that he might be publicly trying to signal to Flynn to try and seek immunity or some in some other way interfere with the natural processes of the Justice Department and the FBI as they go forward with a very serious counterintelligence, counterintelligence investigation. 
Steve, we only have about a minute left, but I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, Richard Painter and Norm Eisen had a, had a column in the New York Times where they said, uh, we ought to go ahead and give Michael Flynn immunity because this is so important that we need to get to the bottom of what happened as quickly as possible. What do you think about that? I, I, you know, I think that's I think that's you know good for headlines. I think it's bad for policy. I mean, there are lots of reasons why you know even if it's not good press, we really want this investigation to go methodically and slowly and one step at a time. Um, and before we have a better sense, or at least before congressional investigators have a better sense of just what Michael Flynn knows and just what he did, you know, to give him immunity as sort of a knee-jerk reaction, um, I think is going to be a very myopic move um, and could actually hamstring the investigation down the road. As as opposed to opening the doors to, you know, getting there faster, as, as Eisen and Painter have suggested. Well, our thanks to Steve Vladek of the University of Texas School of Law and Andrew Wright, professor at Savannah Law School. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks to our technical director, Charlie Vollmer, and our producer, David Sutcherman. You can find more legal news at Bloomberg BN, BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. Carol, what are you going to be talking about? Hi, Michael. We're going to talk about another possible Trump administration official with lots of conflict of interest, why investors should uh, be a little bit skeptical about the markets, and the creator of Bulletproof Coffee about tricks for your mind. Tricks for your mind. Stay tuned for all of that and more here on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.